I'm not Anna. And this is Horror Hour with the Hannas. Where we talk about all your favorite scary movies. And this week, we are joined by our friends at the podcast Twice the Terror. Woo! Hello! <laughs> Pittsburgh and Philadelphia you... in the house at the same time. Let's go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... you know, I'm from Pittsburgh. Oh, are you, really? where are you from? Yeah, like, yeah, I'm uh, Gibsonia area, like oh, North Hills, okay, okay. sort of. Hampton Ooh, Township, I'm... technically. Yeah, I live in Verona, which is uh, basically right behind the zoo. <laughs> okay, I know exactly oh, okay. what it is. I didn't realize that. That's funny. Yeah, it's like I went to Pitt, but yeah, we met in Pittsburgh. Oh, see, we bring we bring the state together. <laughs> and I was going to say with the with the intense rivalries, we somebody has to do it, and I think it's our show. <laughs> 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 They're going to bridge the gap between <laughs> Philly and, and Pitt. Fantastic. So, you guys want to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, Kat, do you want to do you want to well, take I'm it over? Well, I'm Kat, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I'm Kat. <laughs> I'm Ryan, and uh, we're twice the terror. And Basically, we have a show that's like a morning zoo show, but everything horror. We talk about movies, ghosts, haunted shit, spooky nonsense all around. Yeah, pretty much any topic you could kind of want to cover. Imagine that, but just kind of chaos incarnate with you know mm-hmm. two people just kind of rambling on. Uh, and if that sounds interesting to you, uh, you can check us out. Yeah, Twice the Terror is our show, and uh, we, we're very happy to be here. Thank you guys ha- for having us. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for coming on. We're very excited to discuss our movie today, which, if I didn't already say it, is Saw. Oh, yeah. So Saw came out in 2004. It's directed by James Wan and written by Lee Wynell, starring Lee Wynell, Carrie Elwes, and Danny Glover. Um, so you guys have seen Saw before this watch through, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. I watched it this morning. <laughs> For the first time? Or yeah. Have no, you never I, seen it? I saw it when it first came out in 2004, and I have not watched it since. I did watch a couple. I know. I did I watched a couple of the other ones. I've seen like Saw 2 and Saw 3, but I have this is my first time re-watching Saw since the first time I've seen Saw. Did you wow, see it? Oh my that's, gosh. That's that's really did you see it in theaters in 2004? I did not know. We, oh, we okay, waited. Said, okay, sorry. Yeah, when it, I think when it came out on DVD or something, like I saw gotcha. it when it originally. I think I th- what I don't remember what day it came out, but I remember when it came out on DVD, we got a hold of it. Exciting! I was eight when it came out. So wait, <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we were eight. I think I saw it for the first time with you in college. We watched all of them, and then I watched all of them, and I've seen Saw like four or five times now at this point. I watched mm-hmm. it with my mom initially, I think. And she, we actually just watched it with my mom again, again. for this rewatch. Yeah. Really? She was visiting, so shout out to her. She listens. Mm-hmm. Um, and she told me she was like, she thought the first time she watched it, she was alone and had no idea what she was like getting into. Mm-hmm. So why she had me as a child. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know how old I was. Watch it. I don't know. But that was our thing. And then her and I, I remember, went and watched all of them in like preparation for the seventh one and then went and rented that when it came out on DVD. To watch. So her and I, I watched them all with my mom, and I watched them all with Hannah. What and you've seen all of them movies? except Jigsaw. Jigsaw. What movies yeah. to watch with your mom? Yep. Yeah, I was like 12, I think, when it came out. And uh, yeah, my dad let me watch anything. <laughs> There's no limit. <laughs> yeah, I would have been, you said 2004, right? I think I was in high school when I first saw it, because I would have been 14. So that would have been right around either within a year or so, probably the coming out was when I first saw it. Yeah. And it was, I remember it was one of those films I feel like this happens a lot where it's one of those films that was hyped up for being so 
disturbing. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like so hyper violent and everything. And we'll get into it, but there's really very little violence in mm-hmm. the first law. Like it's actually yeah. very restrained in what a it lot chooses of, to show. A lot of the gore is off camera, mm-hmm. to be completely honest. That's something I want to talk about as well. So <laughs> we're all on the same page. Yeah. yeah. What I think is really interesting when doing like a little bit of background research for the episode is that Juan and Wynep had both both said it's actually a pretty leisurely paced thriller. They were not planning to make a horror movie when they made this movie, and it was actually like all of the marketing that they felt turned it into a horror movie. That makes oh. sense. Yeah, James Wan is one of those guys where he just seems to like the way I look at his movies is he's like he's a he's a filmmaker that I absolutely love, but I can't say there's a whole bunch of his movies that I absolutely love, which is interesting. I know like I listened to your Insidious episode uh, a few days ago and stuff, and I was listening in it. Matt, I was on your side, like totally that like, let's go. Yeah, just kind of like it's just it doesn't work for me. Conjuring's kind of the same. I think Conjuring's better, but it's still kind of the same way. Like really the only one James Wan films that I absolutely love are the original Saw. I really like Dead Silence. I know it's a film a lot of people hate, but I love that movie. I and uh, I am a defender of Malignant as well. Which, no. yeah, hell yes. yes. No, I am too. I love Malignant. No. The it's Professor so Coral ending. Like Dude, ma- Malignant. G- shit. Give me a, a Giallo mixed with Basket Case, and that's yeah. exactly what that movie is, and I love anyway. it for it. It's just so... It, it's bonkers insane. In my unprofessional listened- opinion, I think of James Wan and uh, Wanell as... They're farmers, in my idea. And what they do is they take an idea, and they milk that motherfucker dry. <laughs> you have a point. I usually it's not them. Usually it's a, them passing it off to somebody else to milk it. And that's yeah. I think that's the thing is they're so good at this is the film in in James Wan's entire like filmography. I think Malignant aside because that's kind of like this weird balance. But this is the film that feels the least like a James Wan movie, and I think that's probably intentional. You know, it's like it's probably it was a calling card movie essentially for them. You know, they did the short film. Him and Wan L did the short film in college that this was kind of turned into the feature length version of, and. Everything else he's kind of done since then has either kind of been your classic kind of ghost story or horror story. And a lot of like those like uh, jump scare stings, a lot of like that sort of atmosphere, gothic, you know, some more style. And this is so not that it's it's kind of in the vein more of of seven or, you know, just kind of like like we said, a thriller uh, yeah. as opposed to a straight up like ghost horror supernatural story. Um, you know, though, it does have a ton of Juanisms in the way that it's edited, though. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm rewatching this. I was like, this, There's if any movie choices. feels like the early 2000s. It's oh. actually, it is it's actually incredible, though. I love the, his his goofy editing style. And I think it, like, works so well in this one. The, like, what sped I, up cartoon shit that mm-hmm. they do. What I also thought was funny was, Ryan, when you mentioned Seven, is because they were very inspired by Seven as well when they made this, which clearly we can see. I thought when I was looking at the background, I thought it was so fun because, you know, we know this was their first movie. They had originally had 30 grand to spend on the film, uh, but then the script, as it developed, they were like, fuck, we need more money. (laughs) Um, So they're... 
like agent was like, you should go to LA and try and get some funding. And they were like, I don't think we can because we can't afford to travel. But eventually they did. And that is when they made the short film of the bear reverse bear trap for 5K to help sell the movie. So eventually their eventual budget was between one and 1.2 million. Harry Elwes, his total salary, he came out and later said that his total salary for the movie was $2,587. And from, like, royalties, but... Yeah, if you look at that movie, like... I mean, like, don't get me wrong, that's still a pretty low budget, but, like, I also gotta wonder where that money went. I feel like that's a movie that's almost all entirely in one location, and you could (laughs) have shot that for, like, 30000 you know, it's two guys yeah. in a room for 75, 80% of the movie. And then the rest is like, you know, in in people's, you know, you get Living some shots in the hospital. But like, so I was notorious that entire franchise. And, and the first one is included in that for like not using locations. They built sets, you know, so it's always mm-hmm. like just, you know, your four basic plywood walls that they would kind of just paint and redecorate. So you got to <laughs> wonder, it's like. Where did where where did the money go for for Saw? I just where's don't the know. money, Lebowski? Where's the money, Lebowski? Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't James Wan have a house that he had built specifically for filming? Because it's the same house from Insidious and The Conjuring and Malignant. Like, I think he he has like a filming house that he just uses. Does he really? Oh, I didn't know that. I I'm. I'm like, I'm, I'm, maybe this is a conspiracy theory that I've concocted in my own brain. James Wan doesn't want to leave his house, so he built he one. Doesn't. For- <laughs> if, if you're making that up, it's completely fine, because I make stuff up on the show all the time. All the time. No, so. it's fact now. According to us, we've said it yep. here. <laughs> Who on the internet would lie to you? <laughs> um, do we want to jump 15 second summaries then? Since we've been, that was experience expectations. Yeah. So- Jump straight into 15 second summaries. Matt, why don't you go first? Well, I was not prepared. I know that's all right. Oh, we have four people that have to go. This is crazy. Skip me. Oh, geez. No, it's fine. (laughs) All right. Go. Uh, Two guys wake up in a bathroom and then the one guy saws his foot off. That's all they got. Five seconds. Let's go. Stellar. (laughs) I didn't have anything good for that. Not detailed. Not detailed. That's what happens. Fantastic. You don't have to worry about any any of the flashbacks. True. All right, Kat, you ready? Yeah. All right, go. A boomer wants to talk to the manager of cancer, who's Wesley from Princess Bride, because his tumor is inoperable. So Wesley and the film screenwriter learn that the boomer is torturing them because they did not live, laugh, love enough because these kids today are too ungrateful. That was perfect. (laughs) (laughs) You wrote that one. (laughs) I did. I did. (laughs) Cheating. All right. I like it, though. As long as it's that good, you're allowed to cheat, I guess. Yeah, (laughs) that was excellent. Are you ready, Ryan? I'll give it a shot. All right. Uh, right. Here we go. Angry cancer patient is uh, feeling like people are ungrateful for their lives and so devises ways to tell them that their life is more important uh, than uh, they're treating it. And he does it in very gruesome ways. Perfect. A perfect 15. Ooh. Yes. Okay. Do you want to do one hand? I can. Are you ready? Go. According to old man, most people are so ungrateful to be alive. And if he did this to me, I'd be especially ungrateful. <laughs> yeah. There you That's go. Like, old I man yells at God. God. Yeah, it is. It's kind of an Abe Simpson, like you know, <laughs> damn you, kids. And I love 
that he's so much more petty in this one than the rest of them. I feel like they try to re- like do revisionism with this character and be like, oh, he only kills bad people. And this one, it's like, these guys didn't even do anything that bad. <laughs> like, right. Adam's just doing his job. Yeah, Adam is <laughs> exactly. He's just trying to make a living, and like, uh, Doctor Doctor Gordon is just like, he's a jerk, and he's like, you know, he's cheating on his wife, and he's just. Uh, but like, ultimately, when you come down to like later sequels, where like people are like, you know, actually murdering people or like losing people millions of dollars and like feeding on the poor and stuff, yeah. like it seems like totally like small potatoes to start here and then mm-hmm. you know, and don't forget them. about Lincoln Park. <laughs> their their crime was being racist and they killed them. Made him rip his skin off. I guess that one I'm okay with. In the seven, yeah. I know, but it was so it was so crazy. <laughs> you were just like there's a really funny um that's the one I haven't seen, right? No, you've seen seven. That's the oh, last one. Blacked it There's just like a really funny jigsaw line where it's like, you and your friends are racists. And it's like the way he says it. <laughs> like so now, are you funny, saying but... that racism is no sweet? of course not i'm saying it's <laughs> like I'm he's like so that... upset about this band being racist and it's like i hope no one tells this guy about reddit yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh I... it is i i like this one i want to know what zep did too i don't think they even tell us no. they don't and i was so butthurt about that because it's not in his tape doesn't he doesn't we don't really hear his tape we he, he turns his tape on and then it, it ends it basically is like, here are the rules, and then they, mm. they kind of... Yeah, I feel it's... like my beef is like, okay, yes, the doctor is cheating on his wife, but like, that's not worthy of being murdered over, and like, neither is hating your job in the case of Adam. Like, yeah. if he was going to torture people, he should have picked people like, I don't know, people who hurt dogs or like... <laughs> yeah, people, it's... people who double park, like, go after someone who's actually bothering Stone. someone. Well, and that's, I think that's, it's so funny because I used to, like, I, I, like most people, I used to say, oh, the first saw is the best. The first saw is the best. Until my recent rewatch, because I watched a couple of them in a row, and I actually think Saw 2 is a better movie than Saw 1 on rewatch. I, I think don't it's, think that's that hot of a take. I think I might. I've heard that recently a couple I times. I love Saw 2. I need to rewatch it again to decide, but Saw 2 is usually, like, my number two behind the first one. Yeah, so. it's it's the Friday the 13th and Friday the 13th part two situation, right? Where it's like the the original is the one that sets the tone and everything. But the sequel is actually a superior movie in the grand scheme well, of things. It's, we're both Friday the 13th haters, so that it doesn't say much to. But I've only seen the first one, so my opinion. Oh, you've only seen the first Friday the 13th? Yeah, she's only seen that's the, the only one I've well, seen. I'm OK well, with that. I hated it. Takes Manhattan will really turn that around for you. Jason <laughs> takes Manhattan. I'm a Jason takes Manhattan fan. I remember from your episode, I was like, "What is going on here?" <laughs> oh, there is no such thing as as bad opinions. As much as I like to like hum and ha over Ryan loving the third of a series or something, we both I think we both have equally questionable taste. So <laughs> it's true. And that's a better pitch than our actual pitch for the podcast. It is <laughs> a show with questionable taste. Yeah. Well, the we only... have two malignant fans here, so not because I'm not. <laughs> We're in danger. We're in danger. Uh, girl. Do you want me to do the, the actual full plot summary right now? Or should I wait and do that? No, do it just like speed run it. Speed run. Okay, so I messed up and forgot to edit down my plot summary. 
So I'm going to be reading the entire Wikipedia plot summary as fast as I can without uh, looking at it beforehand. So totally fine. Are you guys ready for it? No. Rock and roll. Let's do this. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm a little nervous. All right, here we go. Starting now. A photographer named Adam awakens in a dilapidated bathtub with his ankle changed to a pipe. Across the room is oncologist Dr. Lawrence Gordon also changed. Between them, a body of a parent suicide victim holding a revolver and a micro cassette recorder. Both men find a tape in their pockets and Adam retrieves the recorder. Adam's tape urges him to survival. Gordon's tape orders him to kill Adam by six o'clock or his wife, Allison, and daughter Diana will be killed. Adam finds the bag containing two hacksaws inside the toilet. Both men try to saw through their chains, but Adam saw breaks. Gordon realizes that the saws are not intended for the chains, but to cut their feet and identifies their captor as the jigsaw killer, a serial killer testing the victim's will to survive through lethal traps referred to as games who Gordon knows about because he was once a suspect. Five months prior, Gordon was discussing the terminal brain cancer of John Kramer uh, was and then was interrogated by detectives David Tapp and Stephen Singh, who found his pen light at the scene of one of Jigsaw's games. Gordon's alibi cleared him, but he agreed to view the testimony of heroin addict Amanda Young, the only known survivor of one of Jigsaw's traps, who had been forced to kill and disembowel a man to obtain a key to free herself from a reverse bear trap strapped to her face. Tab and Singh later found Jigsaw's warehouse using the videotape from Amanda's game. There they approached Jigsaw and saved a man from a trap, but Jigsaw injured Tapped and escaped. Singh pursued Jigsaw down a hallway, but in doing so, accidentally triggered a shotgun trap, which killed him. In the present, Allison and Dan are held captive in their apartment at, as their captor watches Adam and Gordon through a hidden camera. The house is simultaneously watched by Tap, who, after being discharged uh, from the police following Singh's death, has become obsessed with the Jigsaw case and remains convinced that Gordon is the killer. Meanwhile, Gordon finds a box containing two cigarettes, a lighter, and a one-way cell phone. He recounts his abduction in a parking garage by a pig mask figure. Adam recalls his own abduction when he returned home to find a puppet in his dark room where he stored photos of Gordon. Allison, held at gunpoint, calls her husband and warns him not to believe Adam. Adam admits to Gordon that he was paid by Tap to spy on him and reveals his knowledge of Gordon's affair with one of his medical students whom he had visited the night he was abducted. Gordon deduces that the affair is the reason why he's being tested. Adam finds a photo of Allison and Diana's captors whom Gordon identifies as Zepp Hindle, a hospital orderly. At 6 o'clock, Zepp, seeing that Gordon has not killed Adam, moves to murder Allison and Diana, but Allison frees herself and fights him. The struggle attracts Tap's attention. He saves Allison and Diana before chasing Zepp to the sewers where he's shot in the chest after a brief fight. Gordon, only aware of the gunshots and screaming, is shocked and, lo- and loses reach of the cell phone in desperation. He saws off his foot and shoots Adam with the corpse revolver. Uh, Zepp enters the room to kill Gordon, but Adam, having survived the gunshot, bludgeons it to death with a toilet tank lid. Gordon crawls out of the bathroom to find help while Adam searches Zepp's body for a key. He finds another tape which reveals that Zepp was just another victim of Jigsaw following rules to obtain an antidote for a selecting poison in his body. The corpse in the room rises. It turns out to be John Kramer, who is the real Jigsaw killer. John tells Adam that the key to his chain was in the bathtub. It went down the drain when Adam had first awakened and drained the water. Adam attempts to shoot John with Zepp's gun, but John electrically shocks him through his chain. He exits the bathroom. John says, game over, before sealing the door, leaving Adam to die. That was really hard. <laughs> that was fantastic. prepared zero amount. Oh, pretty good. That was, I, yeah, I could edit that down to like half of that. But yeah. There we go. Oh, yeah, we just no, discussed no, no. how useless Danny Glover's character is. In the whole movie? I feel like he doesn't add that much. Oh, you mean to the actual, like, the The plot. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, he, there's, you know, other than, like, coming to the rescue of um, uh, Gordon's wife and stuff, like, yeah, uh, there's not a whole lot he does other than just kind of, like, be there and be kind of, like, crazy and be, like, a name for the movie, right? Because as much as, like, we know Carrie always from, you know, 
Princess Bride, Bride and things like that. I wouldn't say he's a name that necessarily sells a movie mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. anymore. So, you know, Danny Glover is a name that people would at least recognize. So it was a way to kind of get somebody in the movie. But you're absolutely right in that, like, there's a lot of that in this movie of, like, stuff you don't really need that could have just been taken out and shortened. And you can you can kind of feel them stretching things to uh, to maintain a feature length runtime to some degree, you know. Just but even I, f- I feel like the only purpose he actually served as, is as a way of holding back Zep. Like, he was a distraction mm. for Zep. To create mm-hmm. that added tension to get to the sewer bathroom shithole that they were trapped in. But even even then, it's like Allison had her own handled, uh, you know, with Zep. Mm-hmm. It could have been that she chases after him and it was her and Zep that were the ones fighting. Like, yeah, he we probably could have done with one less character. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm going to defend him. Okay, go <laughs> okay. for it. I'm going to jump in. I like his uh, story actually a lot. Um, I think what it does for us is it grounds Jigsaw as a killer in reality because there's like actually police hunting the serial killer. And I really enjoy kind of seeing this obsession uh, with him and like kind of like delving into just madness, trying to find him losing his job because he lost his partner. Uh, I don't know. That kind of works for me. I agree near the end. It's like, I don't really care about him saving her, but I enjoyed seeing that side of it is like oh no people know that this killer is out here doing this and i think like adds a little bit there i also recently watched zodiac and i really just enjoyed seeing a character like lose their mind trying to solve a murder that they uh, or multiple murders that were difficult and maybe that's why i felt a little partial towards it i think it's also tough too right because we're we're looking at it through like a lens of now there being 10 saw movies right and so many of them deal with the side plot is always about like a corrupt cop or like you know a cup you know like some sort of police procedural element to it and so i think it's hard it's hard to like distance from that stuff and just specifically look at like this was the movie as it came out and put yourself back in that place of like, I've having never seen saw, you know what I mean? Because we know that ultimately it's not leading to anything kind of like his Mm -hmm. character. But if it was a first watch, you know, you don't, you don't know that he's not going to lead to something bigger. or You don't know that Zepp isn't really the mastermind or things like that. Like it's, it's still, it's such an impressive twist when we, when we get there that it, it's kind of because Saw became known for its twist. It's kind of hard to like look at that and still just remember how solid of a film it is and not like kind of pick it apart to death. Um, Me, what would have saved that character <laughs> in a multitude of ways, but still what would have saved that character for me? Cause I, I agree that I liked his backstory and I like the story about like, it, it really solidifies Jigsaw as like a killer, but it would have been better if tap had actually figured out that John Kramer was Jigsaw and then he dies with that information. So, like, he could have been stopped. But, yeah. you know, the, the killer That's, got to the, the cop first. That is a good point, right? Like, the idea that he's been so obsessive over that and he thinks it's one thing and it's not. It would have been interesting if we, the audience, aren't clued into that. But he figures it out. And so, like, we're kind of waiting for that big reveal. And like you said, he dies. And so yeah. we're, like, kind of left. Like, the culmination of his life's work, and then he just dies with the information, doesn't really get to do it. He anything. actually doesn't die. Fun That's fact true. is that he is the lead of the Saw video game. 
It he take, is. takes place after oh. the movie. <laughs> Which I am, uh, to be fair, I defend that game as well. It's actually not that bad of a game. I, I've never played it. I think I watched uh, it on YouTube as a kid. It's It's fun. I mean, it's a it's a puzzle horror game with like light combat elements that are kind of clunky, but it's that very kind of like mid to late 2000s game that it, it's it's a fun extension of the universe as a fan of these movies, which, um, you know, get absolutely. Sorry, apologies. I don't know if you could pick that up on Mike. There was a car just driving down no my problem. street our, with a horn blaring. Our dogs throwing toys around, too. So it um, happens. extremely spooky. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, I mean, it's it's a series that has gotten kind of more and more bonkers as it's gone. Um, but they've never, with the exception of maybe seven, I feel like they all kind of have their merits some degree. You know what I mean? You know kind of what you're getting when you get a Saw movie. Uh, so, oh, yeah, I, I enjoy all of them, to be honest. Yeah. Even like I think Jigsaw is one of my least favorite. And I even still enjoy parts of that. Yeah. Um and a lot of that has to do with, and I'm, I'm sorry if we're jumping around because I don't want to jump to the end, but uh, a lot of that has to do with Tobin Bell and his performance mm-hmm. as yeah. Jigsaw, mm-hmm. um, you know, as, as John Kramer. I could do a four hour episode just talking about the entire Saw universe and where their missteps were because killing <laughs> yeah. him off was the worst decision that they made. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but, that's podcast for another time. So I think I got to get Hannah to get us back on the rails here. A little to- bit. Where are we at? So we skipped over screen count and hide count. So I don't know if you guys hid or screamed at all during this movie. I know on our end of things, there was no screaming because that's almost. No, you had one. Or was that different movie? 100% me. That was not this Um, movie. Screaming is 100% me 100% of the time, but there were no screams for this. But I did hide three times and all three times (laughs) was them showing traps. I don't like them. I cannot watch mm. them. Um, I like the thriller part of the movie. I don't really like... I don't want to see the dude crawling through barbed wire or, like, oh, yeah. her with her. Yeah, like, the um, reverse bear trap. Like, I don't really get it. So I'm one of those rare people who watches all of the movies and keeps their eyes closed for all of the gory parts. Were there any hides and screams on your side? No huh? screams for me. I think the only time I hid was when he went to saw off his foot, but it was then I realized they weren't going to really show it. And I want to point out this 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 fucker is a doctor and he did that shit so wrong. Like, where's your tourniquet? <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Like, he, have you he, tied a shirt. he ties a shirt. Do you even but surgery, like, bro? Poorly. But poorly. Yeah. yeah. So and not and not at like an artery. Yeah. No. no. Yeah. And and then he's like not con- like I get that he's like trying to save his family and stuff, but like even if you do survive this, like the infect the gangrene, my boy, you're fucked. I love what they say. I guess it's revealed like in between movies or something that he like burned. No, this, his not until the seventh stub movie. Stub on like a radiator. Or he, something no, he does. I oh, I we I I'm off the rails it's again. But science. I remember being a kid and before the seventh movie came out, even maybe it was like before the fourth movie, I was watching YouTube videos about like, oh, he's alive. He's the one doing the surgeries mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And then it ended up being there, like it died. The eye surgery one he did with the key, everybody mm-hmm. was right. And in the seventh movie, that's the opening of the seventh movie is him crawling and burning his, uh, cauterizing his leg on some hot pipe, so like right outside he the room. Did something right, but also it makes no sense for him to join his buddy Jigsaw. 
I'm not, yeah. I'm not arguing but with it's it. Fine. <laughs> we could if we if we took picked apart all the problems, like you said, I think we'd be here all day because yeah. I could I could just do an entire you know, two twenty thousand word essay on yeah. all the problems I was saw. Seven. I, could, I could do a bunch of essays on why I like it though too. So <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to like I'm trying to think of as like I haven't seen the other Saw movies because I like I said I haven't mm-hmm. really kept up with the series. I'm trying to like I am only horse blinders only this mm. Saw. Yep. Yeah. So for just this one, then what about this movie do you like? Hmm. Well, I what love- really works for you. I really love the puzzle aspect. Yeah, I really liked that this was a more cerebral type of killer. Um, Plus, it it heightens the danger. It heightens the thrill of the movie where, you know, even if these characters are shitbags, you kind of start rooting for them because you feel empathy, you know, obviously for them. I, I love the scale of the movie, too. Like I said, I think it's a very... For a for a thriller, for a horror movie, for for anything, like I said, putting all the sequels aside for this movie, I love the fact that it's very much just like I I said, it's two guys in a room for the majority mm-hmm. of the film, you know. And I think that really that really works. Some performances aside, because you know we'll get to stuff that doesn't work, but like I think their kind of connection and trying to piece things together, um, that's the most interesting stuff in the film. I think you know once you kind of get flashbacks or you step outside. You know, it's it's to develop things, but we start losing it a little bit. Uh, I think it's just keeping those guys contained is is really fascinating. Um, I also love, I mean, that scene to get really specific, that scene with Adam in his uh, dark room, like when mm-hmm. the lights go out and he's using his camera is such a well-crafted scene like that mm-hmm. is one at some of his best, just kind of like building tension and ratcheting it up and up and up until you almost can't take it anymore. And then we get the reveal of um, the, you know, the pig mask, which is just, again, self-contained, not knowing what it is. It's like, what the hell is going on in this movie? You know, and and it's just, it's so, so well done. I really, really love that scene. That is one of my favorite scenes too. I feel like, it genuinely scares the shit out of me. I remember the first time watching this movie, I definitely hid for like the entirety of Adam walking around his apartment, taking pictures, trying to see it on flash. Mm-hmm. I also, one of the things I love about this movie is just how like gritty and grimy it feels. Like you really feel like you're there. Like you can feel the dirt and the sweat on your own skin. Cause it looks fucking disgusting. Mm-hmm. And part of that is just like the set Part of that is, like, the makeup and everything. And part of that, I just feel like, is the film style. And James Wan has actually said that due to the budget constraints, it ended up being more gritty and rough around the edges than they had planned on. And I feel like it works so well. Like, I can't imagine this movie any other way. I don't know what you were going for, but this is this works. Tom Bellissimo did a fantastic job for mm-hmm. special effects. And mm-hmm. said... I have a bunch of good things I want to say about it. I've been looking at my notes, so go for it. I'm <laughs> um, I was going to say, I completely agree with the uh, grime and my hot take about this movie is that it is the closest. I think we ever got to a like spiritual successor to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which mm. I think might be a crazy thing to say, but I think in terms of that, like gritty and grimy mm-hmm. and disgusting feeling, it really like, 
feels more like that than I think most other movies I've seen that have tried to replicate it do. Yeah, that's um, for sure. Yes. Yeah, it really it's not as good as Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I'm sorry, but like it at least it it's going for that. Um uh I was gonna say that the goofy camera work is great. <laughs> I love that. So All the, the insane transitions and the, the wanisms I love. It just like works. Um Cariel should be in more stuff. I'm just reading my notes off. Agreed with that. There are parts where he's just so bad in this movie and I don't care. Or Carrie El Elwes, I keep saying it wrong. One him. Um what's his acting is so B movie, but I mean so is one L and like he was insistent that he act in this movie. Yeah. It's it's definitely a it's I mean, Carrie always is a is a is a actor who's been acting for a long time, you know, but it it almost has this student film feel to yeah, it. it. You does. know what I mean? Like performances yeah. are rough, like emotions are like weirdly heightened yeah. at times. I mean, there's lines that are not supposed like that line Zepp has where he's like, I'm going to kill your husband now. Mrs. Gordon is one I of the actually funniest cackled. lines. Yes, I cackled at that part. There's certain deliveries that are just off in this movie, just ever so slightly. There's a lot of weird stuff. I think another one I wrote was that the um, the dead body twist is dumb as fuck and it's awesome. Like it's, it literally <laughs> does not matter at all. And no. I love it anyway. It's it's incredible. It's like yeah, he just gets up and he's like, it's in the bathtub and walks yeah. out. And yeah. that ending, that whole ending montage just goes hard. Like the whole thing, I mm -hmm. just love the way it's filmed. I feel like you don't see anything like that. It's uncommon yeah. to see a montage that insane. And it like kind of makes up for, I find, I find there's a couple moments in this film that like drag mm. right around like middle to like before it gets kind of crazy at the end. And this like makes up for all of it for me. I yeah. feel like all of the shots that you're talking about that are like very crazy wanisms, they bring out my anxiety, which mm -hmm. is what the movie is trying to do. So as much as they might look insane and make me dizzy, it's the point. Yes. So yeah. I've been with it. I'm cool with it. And to the point about some of the lines being wackadoos, part of that I think was also the filming constraints because they filmed this so fast and with so little money that <laughs> oh, yeah. lines, they got like three takes and they were like, well, it's going to have to work. Like we don't have time for reshoots. And I have one more important thing to say that we all touched on is that they nailed all the iconography in the first movie. You talk about that scene with the the Flash, that's the first time we hear the laugh, right? The mm -hmm. like, laugh, it's in this movie. The song, we don't really hear it till the end. They used all of them, they nailed. Uh, the doll, yeah, what? the doll say. was the first time we saw it. And what was the other one? Pig masks. Oh yeah, pig masks, mm -hmm. and then the his voice. Like mm -hmm. everything that they would ride on for the rest of the series they nailed in this for this first one i thought that's really impressive absolutely it's the stuff that works over everything i mean you have it's also like you're coming this is like riding this weird wave that started in the early 2000s of really like nihilistic filmmaking you know we had that a lot of, i mean not to get like you know too deep with it you know but like after like 9-11 and like stuff like that we had this like weird range of films for like 10 years that were all like super nihilistic angry at the world kind of stuff and there hadn't really been a movie like this yes of course it's influenced by like seven and and other films of that nature but like cube what, what? cube. 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 cube yeah absolutely like also we hit our bingo card talking about post 9-11 horror movies because <laughs> i said that exact same thing 
Yeah. So we're on the same page. Yeah. I, I tried to explain it to Hannah. I was like, there's this period where everything was just super mean and it was yeah. post 9-11. So I think it's, you're making me smile because I was like, ah, he gets it. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and so because of that, it, the film works. Like you said, despite all its flaws, like I think overall as a package, it still really works well as a thriller. And it's a good, in a weird way, it's gruesome enough, but not so gruesome that you can't show it to somebody who's not into horror movies. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you mm-hmm. wouldn't, you wouldn't show them like Devil's Rejects, but you might show them Saw. And it's that same kind of like nihilistic tone, but more palatable and mm-hmm. to, to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. And to that point, one of the things I really like is that when you have the scene of like Gordon chopping off his foot or Adam beating Zepp to death with the toilet uh, cover lid. You don't really see that. You see them. You see their emotion and their yeah. reaction to it. And I think it makes it a lot. It's like much more powerful to see like their horror and what they are forced to do to survive this. Speaking and of like, I oh, like being able to keep my eyes on the screen. So that's a bonus for me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry. I was I was going to say like speaking of like emotions and them reacting to things. Another point in the movie where I kind of like inadvertently giggled was when Gordon can hear his wife and Zepp, like she's fighting for her life on the other end of the phone. And it's like they show these really intense action shots of her and Zepp and and tap and they're all fighting and shooting. And, and then you just cut to Carrie Elwes on the ground like, <laughs> like, just sob- like I get he's sad, but he's just sobbing like an idiot. And I'm like, Gordon, man. Yeah. My man's yeah. a struggling. He's had a rough day, okay? He really he has <laughs> some emotional whiplash in this movie. Where yeah. That scene where I think he, it's that scene right before that he answers the phone and he's like screaming and then he hears his wife's voice and he's like, honey, like he just changes on a dime. It's this like weird, like moment. But you, you say he can't get a leg up. <laughs> but then um, well, more movies. I'm going to keep saying it. He's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, it's 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 a it's a fascinating little film. And obviously it captured a lot of people's minds because we're now on the 10th movie in, yeah. you know, he, he figured something out. He he got the algorithm and he is working it. Do you. OK, so and, and I again, I apologize. Sorry for derailing things too much, but um. Do do you feel like on in the pantheon of Juan films, like where does this kind of like sit? Oh, you're gonna break Matt's brain. Um, I I'm sorry, Matt. Above Insidious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no shit for you. Um, I love Insidious because it's my first ever horror movie. But like, I would also put it above Insidious. But I still like The Conjuring more. I think. Mm. And for reasons why, listen to our episode on the con because <laughs> um, we go I'm real in depth. What was that, Kat? I'm sorry. I was like, I'm compelled to agree with you. Like, I would say I would put it not as good as The Conjuring, for sure, but I would say it's above Insidious. What about you, Matt? Where do you put Malignant? <laughs> See, I... <laughs> that's, what I'm, that's what I'm struggling with. I have a lot of mixed feelings about Malignant. Like, I definitely was too hard on it when we covered it. But at the same time, there's a lot about it that I don't like. Mm. Like, I do think tonally it's a little all over the place. And I think that its messaging is extremely fucked up. Mm. If you think about, like, what it's trying to say, it's all a lot of, like, insensitive boomer takes, honestly. 
and I'm just not for that. Yeah. So, but it like, yeah, I don't know. All right, here's my thought. Of all of Juan's movies, this is easily the most influential and will probably mm-hmm. remain that. Yes. Uh, it's not as good as The Conjuring. I don't know how I feel comparing it to Malignant and it's it's better than Insidious. So it's somewhere in there. Somewhere in there. Yeah, I haven't seen that. De- I've not seen Dead Silence. Oh, yeah. Really? So, oh, you guys got to no. cover Dead Silence then. I, <laughs> I'd like to because I remember seeing trailers for it as a kid and them giving me nightmares. So I never it watched is- it. It is, I will say, I won't say too much. It is a flawed movie, but it is super underrated. And I think it's got a very cool atmosphere to it. So I'll say no more, but definitely check out Dead Silence for sure. It's um, on the list for sure. Because I want to cover all Wan movies and then do like a specific Wan ranking, ranking episode. Mm-hmm. I, I can't do it right now with Saw and Malignant. <laughs> I feel like all the goofy shit in Saw is a turn up to 11 in Malignant. And I love that. It's because mm. of I, I feel like it's it's malignant works because it's it's one embracing both sides of his career mm-hmm. and also flipping a big bird to the people who like his like later half of his career. You know what I mean? To some degree in terms of like being like, you oh, you think I can only make these kind of movies will prepare for like the, you know, the biggest B movie you've ever seen. Like if Frank Hanenlotter made a giant budget film, it would be <laughs> malignant, mm-hmm. you know, sort of thing. So. Page. You'll have to listen to our malignant episode because I think I said we're saying the exact same this stuff. <laughs> just one giant ad for our, for our malignant episode. I know it makes but me happy. It's okay. I'm happy to hear you say. I was like, I said that. His <laughs> <And that was laughs> own in that, like our guest was kind of in the middle of where we both sit, which is mm. loves malignant, doesn't hate, but does not like, but can appreciate <laughs> some of it. And he was kind of sitting on the fence, so. Think Matt Which is uncommon. Theme. Uncommon for Malignant. There's no fence sitters. You either love it or hate it. So. But that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, we're so talking sorry. About you got me excited. Your, your take on it got me excited about it. No, no, no. You're okay. I'm sorry. I derailed us. So no, it's, I don't it's fine. I do it too. It was a fair <laughs> question. I was going to bring it up eventually. Talk so Favorite scenes now? Yeah, let's do favorite scenes. Okay. And then we'll go to what we didn't, what doesn't work. Yeah. Up, yeah. Um, okay, cool. Favorites. Scene. I'll be quick. I know mine. It's so, it's the ending montage. Yeah, that's what I was mm. gonna say. It. I, I. There's plenty of things I could pick, but I. You just feel like invigorated when this movie ends. I'm. I'm hype. Yeah. Like it's like a happy. Like I don't know why I shouldn't be happy, but seeing him just slam that door on Adam and like the montage of all the mm-hmm. hello and says every single name, just incredible. Like little montage, mm-hmm. like music video film. Or excuse me. Yeah, music video filmmaking. Yeah. And the I, specific I flash in my mind, too, is Adam, again, smashing his head in with the mm-hmm. toilet lid. Like, that onward. Just because there's so much, like, emotion and fear there. And I feel like he actually does some good acting in that moment. Mm-hmm. And then from there on, with the twists <laughs> and the music, oh my god. And him just getting up. And actually like, seeing Tobin Bell. <laughs> it's so dumb. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> yeah. It, it is. I have to agree with you guys. Like as much as I love, like I said, the scene with Adam and his camera and Adam, stuff. Yeah. Like that 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 ending is like when you think of Saw. Like to me, that's one of the first things I think of is him mm-hmm. like getting up off the ground and like you said that shot of him slamming the door and and just kind of it fading to black and hearing uh, Adam like scream while the credits like kind of start is just mm-hmm. so. It's it leaves you on the perfect note for that movie and like everything just 
falls into place. It pieces itself together perfectly. And any flaws the movie had, you kind of forget them because you're just like everything just wraps up in this perfect little bow. It's so good. Yeah. What about you, Kat? I I don't want to be like, I don't want to agree with everybody and say that the montage. Yeah. You're welcome to. We move on to the next part. (laughs) Yeah. It's like my favorite part of any movie is when the math starts mathing. And I'm like, Mm. oh, finally. (laughs) Yeah. The pieces fall together, if you will. So what don't we like? Or what Mm. didn't work? Oof. Okay. So Amanda, right? The most extreme form of AA you could imagine. I feel like Amanda was probably one of, and I'm not saying she deserved it. I feel like every person that he tortured was someone who was, you know, suffering with some sort of mm-hmm. mental illness then, or depression. Yeah. Again, it would have been better if he had like gone after people who don't respect life in the sense of like they take lives or they torture other people. But no, he was going after people who are struggling. So Amanda, who's in the craziest form of AA possible, has to use a fucking pen knife to cut the key out of... He said the man was dead, but the man was definitely not dead. No. And I was watching her with this pen knife. I'm like, damn, it would have been faster if he gave her a rubber chicken. Like, there's no way she's gonna, like... (laughs) She's hacking for her life. But I thought that was... That is, again, another, like, iconic scene that people associate with the with the films is that reverse bear trap headpiece mm-hmm. like i've mm-hmm. been seeing that like i think that's a tiktok fucking filter yeah right now. <laughs> well and to speak to that cat like this is it's such a weird movie to watch because again we now know the established rules of jigsaw but in this first film like that's not the case he just flat out lies in that tape like, you know, we're supposed to believe that Jigsaw has his own kind of like morals and he sticks to them. But like he literally is like, the man is dead. And he's like, no, he's not. Like, he's very clearly mm-hmm. alive. And like, he, the, like you said, we talked about earlier, like the people he picks and stuff. It's like there's this weird um, ambiguity to his character in the first film that, um, you know, obviously you're never supposed to side with Jigsaw. You're supposed to. He's, he is the villain of the franchise. But you're supposed to understand that he has his own like code and he sticks to his code. But in this first film, you know, yeah, exactly. But in this first film, it's so it's so not that it's like they don't quite have a grasp on who he is um, as a character. Which I kind of like about it, to be Mm. honest. I think it. I mean, like, I don't like that people try and take away a moral from any of these movies. And I had a friend recently message and was like, I like that he, like, you know, picks bad people to kill. (laughs) And I was like, are you getting these movies? Like, I didn't know if we're on the same page here. Well, and Saw Saw X, he's the good guy, though. So, yeah, I think that is also (laughs) a problem. Um, But that's kind of why I like this movie is because it's pretty clear that his like moral code is pretty fucked up. Yeah. Um, and like, if he actually just like is a bad person in this movie understands that he might be like trying to show people how to appreciate their lives, but this movie understands that he's bad. And I right. don't know if the rest of them do. Yeah. Well, it's, and it happens with all the franchises, right? At a certain point, you start getting people who side more with the villains than the characters. And mm-hmm. that's that's an issue that movies, you know, movie franchises like this, you 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 shouldn't 
you know, you, you have to be careful with that. Because again, when you, you, the problem with that too is once you start writing to just the villain, then your other characters start becoming one-dimensional. You know, they just become, you know, archetypes or stereotypes or things like that. And it just stops making, you know, say what we will about some of the performances and some of the writing in this film. But we talked about it earlier, like that the characters, you know, Jigsaw aside, like Adam and Dr. Gordon also have this weird moral you know, like gray area where it's like, they're clearly not doing great things, but like, are they were, you know, are they, is what's happening to them appropriate for the situation? And you know what it's, so it's, it's a much more fascinating film in that regard before you start getting into like, you're bad, therefore trap, you know? Mm -hmm. And, And I think, I think this does work better on that, but I think to get back to the question at hand, what doesn't work again, it, it kind of is that those dialogue moments that just don't quite work. Um, your characters are both also kind of obnoxious at times. Yep. Like we, there are moments where I don't really like Dr. Gordon and I don't, and not in, and not in an intentional way, not like, Oh, the script is telling you that this is a bad person more just like, they're just both really annoying <laughs> at times. Yeah. Like Adam is so, is so whiny and, and yes. you know, he like, talks about his shithole apartment and all this stuff and i feel like with him like he's just so dissatisfied with his life and that's the reason why he's going to be killed but like homeboy's life literally could have been fixed if jigsaw just shoved a job application under his door right. like that <laughs> that would have been an Domino's is hiring <laughs> yeah like, like, just straight up murdering the man he's probably happy to die he's like ah oh, at least i get out of my shithole apartment yeah <laughs> Well, yeah, and, and Matt, you mentioned it earlier, too. I think this movie also has a, a, a second act problem in that it kind of starts to drag. It's around the cigarette scene. Yes. Like, it's around there. It just kind of starts to drag, and you can feel the, the padding it, within the It's movie. right before it, the clock hits it, 6 o'clock mm-hmm. is where it's like, all right, come on. Like, where are we going? And I kind of forgot about that until this most recent watch because I do really like this movie, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh. It's really pulling me down a little bit. To be honest, I fell asleep for about five minutes in there. So <laughs> yeah, fair. I mean, yeah, it is kind of kind of like that. But I feel like but I'm everything else, uh, everything else is cool. How mm-hmm. do we feel about some of the weird, like, screamy music that pops up a couple times during screamy music? The, yeah, like, I have feelings about that because they'll just yeah. slap some like thrash metal or like mm-hmm. just like screamo oh, a- over. And that's how you know this scene is edgy. And I'm like, bro, like no, that's a that's another wanism. I know it's such a wanism, but <laughs> like I kind of just like giggled because I was like, God, it's just James Wan being James Wan. But it I didn't need it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it just doesn't really. I don't know. I I've, it felt like when you go into a haunted house on Halloween, and then mm. you know the clowns jump out of the wall, and then there's like fucking Slipknot playing, and you're like, all right. <laughs> Wait, are we talking about Insidious or Saw? <laughs> Shut up! I knew you were thinking about that. The answer is yes. Yeah, it, it, this movie did not need any sort of need. I mean, again, that was a very early two thousands thing, which was like, do a needle drop in your film so we can sell the the mm-hmm. you know the the album, which yeah. is something they still do. But I feel like movies kind of pick and choose it more, which is like, if we're gonna go all out with like like a soundtrack, it's gonna be like music after music after music after music and they're all going to be solid versus like this was just like throw a corn song in there and then that then we'll sell the the soundtrack and you're like okay uh weird choice but 
I made a lot of notes about things that I was like peeved by. Oh, go off. <laughs> go then. off. Because I don't, okay. I, I can say bad stuff, but I'm going to defend all of it also. So I'd but, rather okay. hear some actual things you don't like. So, okay. So my, my beef here with Jigsaw, right? This man is terribly sick, sick. You know, he's, he's dying. You know, they have him in this bed, which you wouldn't believe the man if if they didn't show the scene of Dr. Gordon telling him he has an inoperable brain tumor, if he told people he was dying, I wouldn't have believed him because he's such a un untrustworthy character. But yeah, you're telling true. me that this man who is dying of cancer is building these contraptions. Like, I'm picturing Jigsaw in his house with his little fucking crafts, just like working on his <laughs> little puppet. Like, how many trips to Joanne's did this motherfucker make? <laughs> And my one coworker, she's like, oh, he probably just found all that stuff. You know, my friend, co-worker, my Where's coworker, Taylor that? and I. Yeah. And I'm like, girl, he had to go buy E6000. You don't stumble on some E6000 to glue shit together. You know, like. In defense it, of this movie, though, I will say, <laughs> I think the only trap that is that extreme in this one is is the, the reverse bear trap. Reverse bear trap. I think everything else is kind of just like he threw some like put a cage together and threw some barbed wire in it and was like, there you go. Or <laughs> like, you know, he's got like gas. What, what is it that is it kerosene? Petroleum. Petroleum. Yes. In the, in that room. Petroleum jelly, uh, whatever it is. Yeah. And then like, you know, and then Dr. Gordon and Adam is just like, here's some chains and some hacksaws that I bought for, you know, two ninety nine at Lowe's or whatever. So. I'm also um, going to say like, if you're on your way out, if you're dying, like, fuck it, man. Spend your time however's going to bring you joy. Like, I'm not not in defense of murdering people, but, like, if your little crafts is what's going to bring you joy at the end <laughs> there, you do that. <laughs> you want to waste money and terrorize the public at large? Learn Magic the Gathering. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's other or ways to torture people. You know, my blue eyes white dragon, you know, yeah. or... <laughs> Uh, so my husband actually just texted me. Apparently there is something he needs my assistance with. Uh, oh. I hate to be that guy. I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. We can um, continue the conversation. Though. Is there anything else you want to say? Um, I th also, okay. So he's like walking around in this cloak with the red, like uh, the cloak. That's also very like synonymous with this film with the red stripes coming down the sides and everything he's wearing this pig mask this is the single-handed most suspicious man on earth like there's no way even if you were in the only city you can get away with doing this in is new york city i feel like if you're just walking around like that i i'm you could get away I'm, with it in philly <laughs> you could definitely get away with it in Philly. I would be unfaced. I see a guy walking around like that when I get on the train this morning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Maybe it's because <laughs> go we're on the L. You'll see everyone. <laughs> and I love Philly. <laughs> do yeah, they ever say... Everyone knows each other, and we're like, "Why is John doing that?" <laughs> do Do they ever say in the film, in any of the films, where it takes place, or is it just unnamed no. bad city? It's the same. Like it's it. the same city as Seven. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Right. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Cat. Did you well? Yeah, I unfortunately would have to like leave, leave, um, because I don't we, think we appreciate your time. I'm sorry, you have to go. No, I'm really sorry. We're, I we're close to being done anyway, though, so we'll we'll round yeah. out with our theme talk, and then here I'll say one complaint that I think you'll enjoy though is uh, this movie inspired escape rooms. Yeah, so that's the real <laughs> crime. You know, that's, that's the true. real. That, yeah. I looked; escape rooms weren't big until like 2007. So this and Cube. He's yeah. been inspiring arguments with suburban families. For 
Actually, I think that's a pro. <laughs> Weirdest thing, though. This movie inspires escape rooms. Escape rooms inspire the movie Escape Room, which is just a Saw ripoff. It goes all the way to just the top. The giant what? The snake what eating its tail. Big it's Escape Room crazy. invented the Saw franchise. There has to be a Saw escape room, right? For sure. I'm sure. Know, there's got to yeah. be one somewhere. That's so now, is there, an, is there an escape room movie-themed escape room? That's the real question. I don't question. think anyone saw that. Probably not. There's two of them. Somebody <laughs> had to see yeah, them. Me too. <laughs> Game of yeah. Champions or whatever it's called. What the fuck? Yeah. Somebody thought that was... Like, apparently the first one, I think the first one made money because it was PG-13. So everybody went to, oh. you know, went to go see it. And it. I didn't see it. I can't speak to it. But uh didn't look particularly great. So, but I don't know. Maybe it was decent. Decent enough to make a sequel, apparently. Did it? think that the dude who's covered in like the the pyro jelly and the glass on the floor and stuff and they said it was because he was like insurance fraud and i'm like damn these insurance companies have gotten intense (laughs) (laughs) and they catch a slipping man dude you should watch the sixth one if you want to see more insurance company i would love to see someone from from an insurance company get their their oh it's that's the entire theme yeah (laughs) that's the entire plot six is great Six is a solid Six one. Six is really yeah. good. Yeah, really Party. good film. So, okay. All right, Cal, we have to drop off. Thank you for joining. Yes, thank you. I'm so- I'm sorry this like happened unexpectedly. No, it's fine. And we'll Life. we'll talk to you again when we do Frank and Turkey. I'll uh, Frank and Turkey. Spoil yeah. for anyone that listens to both podcasts. Yes. Lit. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. 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 Well, folks, what's next? I think if we talked about what didn't work, themes. Yeah, we're gonna talk about themes. Which what is this movie's purpose? And Mm. I have not been able to like put together what I actually think the purpose of this film is. So I was like, I mean, there's the obvious of John's the morality police and is telling us what is right or wrong. But like, first of all, we're not stupid. We know cheating on our wife or partner is bad but what is especially interesting is that in the movie it literally shows gordon making the choice to stop cheating on his wife before he is put in the trap and yet he still ends up in the trap so then what is the point now because he has made the choice to like be a better person again john is a partner john is a petty bitch john is a bitch (laughs) he's supposed to be though john's like a petty little bitch and that's what's why he's great like he is supposed to just be a like psychopath. Sorry, yeah. I know that's not a real term, but like he is supposed to be a serial killer. Serial killer. He sucks. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I to the point that we have mentioned throughout this episode, just with like some of the storytelling, is like, what did Adam really do to deserve it? He didn't like his life. Boo hoo. We'd all be in the trap then, dog. Put me <laughs> in. Sign me up. Oh yeah. Also, it's a contraption, dog. Like, why is Amanda's trap fair? Like, all she had to do was kill someone else, not hurt herself. So, what is he really teaching her no, there? So, yeah. Like. The logic that this man has while trying to be the morality police is off the hinges. And and still, Lee Wynell and James Wan have said, Jigsaw sees people as not appreciating their lives. He doesn't have their health. They aren't dying and they're not doing anything with their lives. So he takes it upon himself to fix that. But All right, so they don't understand their own movie then. (laughs) Yeah. And if... So that interview is definitely after like a couple had come out. I don't know how many. Um, so I don't know if it's just like now they're like 
looking back and trying to tie it all together with what they wrote in two and three. But clearly that is not the purpose of the first movie. I feel like in the first movie, we're supposed to think he's a butthole. And then, then the rest of them suddenly we're not like the later movies. The purpose is just to be torture porn. Like, let's be real. That is their whole purpose. It's the movie, I don't know. I think in all honesty, it's a couple of college graduates who went, let's make seven on a lower budget. I mean, I think it's that's really mm-hmm. what it comes down to is it's just a couple guys with a lot of ambition. And, you know, seven is, again, a very nihilistic, like the world is terrible kind of movie. And that's kind of its point is, you know, but with this film, when you're like, what, what were they like? Maybe like 23, 24, you know, four when they make this movie, if that like you don't you think you know what the world is but you really don't you don't have like a Mm -hmm. a ton of life experience you're just kind of angry because you're angry so i i don't think there's i think it's a very surface level film and i don't know if it's much deeper than that in all honesty yeah it it really might just be about the feeling because like when you say Mm -hmm. that it's like oh these kids just made it and then meanwhile i'm saying you know what this is the closest we've gotten to texas chainsaw massacre which is insane that at least at least made me feel that way so maybe it was like Hey, we're going to make something that is grimy and gross and makes you feel that way. And that's well, it. In the, in the interesting thing, like we talk about, you know, we talked earlier about 9-11 and, and the post, you know, movies that came out. But they're also, I believe, both um, James Wan and Lee Wan L are from Australia, correct? If I remember correctly, I believe that. I do not know James Wan is definitely from Australia, so I'm going to yeah. guess Wan L probably is as well. And so I wonder if that is a... You know, obviously, that was something that, like, changed the course of, like, the entire world. But, like, is that is that same kind of nihilism coming out of, you know, a world event? Or did we just, like, reflect that because it we were it was a film that came out in America? But you've got these two Australian mm-hmm. filmmakers hitting this very important moment of this kind of, like, nihilistic, you know, viewpoint on the world and kind of this, like frustration people were feeling feeling or or you know just kind of like the world is is awful and or what you know whatever was kind of in the atmosphere at that time and whether these guys intentionally hit it or not you know it might it might be as simple as that the theme is just that like life isn't fair (laughs) you know like I i like that read yeah i'm like yeah i like that yeah i think sometimes like with a lot of the movies we covered there there is sometimes this like deeper theme or analysis or at least something we can pull from it even if that wasn't intended this one i struggle but i like that but i like what you said i feel like that kind of sums it up pretty well and it really did it had just such influence it's actually crazy Mm -hmm. yeah oh yeah i mean think of all the films that came out afterwards that were trying to like you use the word, you know, the phrase torture porn, but like, really, I don't think saw, I mean, at a certain point, yes, they kind of just become their own, you know, again, they're kind of a snake eating its own tail. It's kind of the same thing over and over done mm-hmm. more extreme, but, um, but like, really, it's all the copycat films that came out after this that were really trying to like push that, oh, people like seeing people do horrible, mutilate their bodies or whatever. So we're just going to do more movies like that. But like, this movie isn't that, like we said, it's it's very much a very almost bloodless film. There is some gore, but it's very minor, you know, mm-hmm. and so it's just kind of a uh, it, it's it's an interesting thing to to look at when when this film does get lumped in with that category a lot. And 
it's really not. It's, you know, it's a it's a mm-hmm. pretty good thriller is ultimately what it is. You know, it's, yeah. it's closer to something more. Well, this is an extreme. It's not nearly as good as this, but it's closer to something more like Silence of the Lambs than it is something like Hostel, you know, or something of, mm-hmm. of that nature. And Lee Wynell has said, we noticed that the first sauce traps and more visceral elements were being really championed and celebrated by the fans. So it was a natural progression towards that in the sequels. Saw 2, I think, does still have a lot of those aspects of a locked room thriller and the police hunting a serial killer, but the gore was increased. As for the third one, I think Saw 3 is one of the goriest mainstream films ever made, and I wrote that. That's a real badge of dishonor for me. Yeah. I do think find that that's something this film does very well that the other ones miss mm-hmm. on is it's like showing the reaction to yes. the trap is way better. And then showing like them piecing it together and like what it like the kind of sped up version mm-hmm. is scarier and better than actually showing it. And I also think showing stuff off camera always works better. Like Gordon cutting through his leg is always going to be better if you show his face while he's doing it than actually showing it. Yes. But- I'm never going to be as effective by what I see on screen than what like my mind can do. So yeah. I feel like that's, that's the big trick there that the other ones miss on, but I still like them. So what are yeah. you going to do? <laughs> I like the detective piece of it. I agree. But... Fully agree. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's usually what I think a lot of people watch these for is they're kind of fun detective thrillers in a lot of ways that just get more and more insane. Yeah, absolutely. Or... I mean, they're, they're all kind of, they're all kind of like that. They're all, like I said, they're, they're part Crazy serial killer movie and part um, police procedural, you know, mm-hmm. if you, and I think you get that's why you get this wide collection of people, you know, different audiences that like these movies. You know, some people like them for the traps, some people like them for the story, some people like them for the twist, some people like them for the procedural aspect. And that's probably why this franchise has endured as absolutely sure. long as it has. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot to like. Also a lot later to dislike, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. We'll cover those eventually. Oh, you think so? <laughs> no, <laughs> all not of all them. of them. Hey, two is good. <laughs> I was going to say, before we get into rankings, uh, or like ratings for this film, how do you feel like it compares to the others in the franchise? Since it's obviously talking about this movie is so tied to... I've said for a long time, I think it's my favorite of all of them. I do think Saw 2 could possibly be better than it. I've only seen that once, it but works. I know it was good. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. Mostly because they get a bunch of people in the house. And I think the ending twist is one of my favorite yeah. of, of all the films of uh, what's his name being in the box the whole time. You know, that's mm-hmm. all. Or in the same. Great, great twist. The acting is is better in that film. The needle um, pit. The needle <laughs> pit. Yeah. Things are kind of ratcheted up to be they're They're violent, but they're not quite what we get. Like you said later on in like saw three with like some of the extreme, like torture scenes mm-hmm. in those movies. Like it's way, it's more restrained, but it's, it ups everything and ups the stakes just enough to make it feel um, more tense and more just kind of well-crafted and put together. And I think a lot of that also has to do with the introduction of Darren Lynn Bowsman coming in as director and like co-writer on that film too, because he breathes kind of like this extra bit of life into that franchise. Um, it's just really definitely rewatch Saw 2. I, I look forward yeah. to your episode on it because I'll be I'll be curious to see what you think. I'm also going to open myself up to some internet internet hate here and say that I really like Spiral. <laughs> I do too. So a lot of people Spiral. fucking hate Spiral. Like when Saw 10 came out, um, I was like looking through Twitter with how people like ranked all of them since everyone 
fucking love Sultan and says it's as good or better than the original, which don't agree. But um, people were putting Spiral at like nine. Was like, That's hilarious because Spiral's like possibly like the third best film in this franchise or fourth. I don't know. Yeah, it's in my opinion. It's at least like it's at least trying something slightly different with the mm-hmm. franchise. And like, I want to give them credit for that. Plus you get some really good, you know, name actors in it as well. You yeah. Know, you I think it's Chris Rock's best happened. performance in a movie that I've seen. Yeah. It's really solid. I mean, I don't know if that's I, much, but I probably in my personal ranking, I probably wouldn't rank it like as high as some other ones just for like nostalgia or just like movies I really enjoy. But I think it's way better. It's way better than some of the other ones. Like to me, mm-hmm. I think, I think seven and five are the worst in the franchise. To yeah, me. they're pretty um, bad. Jigsaw's pretty bad. I don't know. If yeah, Jigsaw's Jigsaw. The only one I haven't seen yet is ten. So I'm I'll, I'm oh, sorry. interesting to hear. No, no, you're okay. You didn't spoil anything, but uh, it's interesting to hear your take on it because I have heard so many people say it was good, and so it's it I, I like hearing both flips of the coin. Good. Of the it's good because Tobin good. Bell's in it. Yeah, it's mm. good, but it's and, not like the best. And because like Tobin Bell's cool, and you actually like they made him the actual main character. Mm-hmm. Which is really fun because he is talented. Mm-hmm. Like an yeah. Well, I think we can wrap it up by giving our ratings for this yes. movie. So we, we do out of ten ratings. Yep. So they could be decimal and they can the ratings are arbitrary anyway. Yes, so. we, we say it every time. They're all bullshit. So say whatever you want. <laughs> okay. Um all right. I think, and I thought a lot about this. All right. If to me, if except for 10, which I'm ruling out right now, because I, I have to leave room for other ones at the top. I'm going to give this. I'm going to give this an eight. I think I think Saw 2 is better, but I think this is a solid film with some major flaws. But I think all the positives way outweigh it. And it's so influential, like you have to give it. It's due like you have to give it a lot of credit. So I think an eight out of 10 is fair for the first Saw. I was also thinking about giving it an eight. Is that what you're going like with? Eight on the nose. Yeah. Yes, I, I'm laughing because I was gonna go just slightly lower. I was between eight and seven point five, and I think mm-hmm. our discussion has me pushed to seven point five. It's great. There are just so many good horror films though that I still put above it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like weird putting it on pars with I think some of the other eights I have. But maybe I'm just cranky today. I don't know. So seven point yeah, five for just me. Cranky. It's it's very good. Everyone should see it. Seven point five. <laughs> Definitely. That's a I'm solid okay score. Yeah. Yeah. All cool. right. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for being on here, Ryan. And thank you. Out again. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you so much for having us. I mean, this was a blast, and we look forward to having you on our show. So everyone, uh, you know, stay tuned for that because we'll be having a fun episode coming out. I think that's going to be a uh, uh, heck of a good time. So thank you so much for having us. We really, really appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Of course. Give us your name again and where we can find you. Yeah. Uh, so Cat and I's podcast or Cat and Meat, whatever the proper grammar is for <laughs> that. Uh, uh, our podcast is Twice the Terror. You can find us um, on Spotify and um all kinds of other places, your typical, you know, podcasting platforms. But I think our big one is YouTube. You can find us on YouTube.com uh, slash at twice the terror. So the at symbol at twice the terror. Um, that's our main channel. But yeah, Spotify is probably the next big one. So check us out there. It's video podcast, but you can listen to it if you want, whatever you prefer. So Perfect. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Re- ready to be done, Hannah? Yeah. You good? Say your thing. 
I'm Hannah. I'm Matt Hannah. Thanks for joining. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for tuning into Horror Hour with the Hannahs. Make sure to listen to future episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube, and follow for additional content on TikTok or Instagram at Horror Hour with the Hannahs. If you like the podcast, please leave a positive review on your favorite podcasting app. Happy hauntings!